Father, once again, we come before you in prayer on a Sunday morning. And Lord, we just ask now that you would take this service, this time that we have dedicated to the singing of hymns to your glory. We pray for the special music, the preaching, the offering, the invitation. Lord, each part would be done out of a spirit of true worship to the God of this book called the Bible. To Jesus, our Savior, we ask that you would work in our hearts, that we may leave this place better equipped and more and challenged to serve you more through this coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Those that go to the children's church and toddler's churches, they may be dismissed at this point. And the rest of us, let's turn to the book of Proverbs. And our theme this year has been faith. And, and uh, as I was looking through some of the sermons that I preached on faith, I realized we have not touched at all the book of Proverbs. And so this morning, we'll just do faith in the Proverbs. And uh, there's about eight verses here, and uh, uh, we just put them together here, and we'll just go through the book of Proverbs as if it were one text and pick out these different uh, times where the word faithful is the word that is the form of the word faith that is used in uh, the book of Proverbs. And that tells us that uh, to be faithful means that you are living a life of faith, that you have, that that describes who you are. It's an attribute. And the first time the word faithful is mentioned in the book of Proverbs, it's chapter 11, verse 13, it says, A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Now, if we were not careful to understand this verse in the context of Scripture, we might think that this uh, would be wishful thinking on the part of one of our presidential candidates, that someone would be faithful and conceal all, her secret, I mean, all their secrets. Uh, but that's not what this verse is talking about, all right? Um, sorry, I, I just had to get that in there. Um, uh, but... The ideal here is, how many of you have met a talebearer? Someone that always just has to be talking about somebody or something. We, we have another word that we use that kind of describes a talebearer. Uh, you heard the person says, I never repeat gossip. So you better listen close the first time. Uh, that's a talebearer. That's someone that always has a story about someone else. And it doesn't necessarily have to be negative to be gossip, now does it? And yet, the talebearer always has a way of even taking the most positive stories and giving them a little twist. Now, how many of you know what happens when you take the truth and modify it, even in the least bit degree? 
is it any longer the truth? Well, you have to understand the truth is still in there. Oh, yeah. But the greatest lies have the most amount of truth in them, do they not? And what we're looking at here is the first several verses have to deal with how the faithful person handles what they know or the truth. There's another verse in Proverbs says, The fool uttereth all his heart, but the wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. How do you know when it's afterwards? Uh, that's why the wise man keeps his mouth shut. Amen? Till, till he knows that it's afterwards. If you don't know, it's not afterwards yet. And the... You, you can get yourself in a terrible amount of trouble by just telling everything you know. Amen? The, the Bible says that a faithful person is not out to hurt other people. A faithful person is not using their knowledge. How many of you have ever told what you know only to find out that what you knew wasn't the whole of what you needed to know to say what you thought you knew? I think I said that right, didn't I? That's something where we've all been at one time or another, has it not? We think we know so much. We think we see, we think we understand, and we want to speak accordingly. But the faithful man doesn't tell everything he knows, because the faithful man knows that he doesn't know everything. Amen? How many could say, Pastor, if I'd only known that ten years ago, I could have saved myself a lot of trouble. Amen? You see, that's why these verses are in the book of Proverbs. This was Solomon writing to Rehoboam to try to help him understand what kind of man he needed to be to follow in Solomon's footsteps. Did it do Rehoboam any good? Nope. Not a bit. That's why Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, is because he knew what kind of brat he had raised and he knew that it was his fault. And he also knew that there was nothing he could do about it now. Uh, you'll read, uh, Andrew preached on Rehoboam last Sunday night. And, and uh, one of the verses in there is Rehoboam's son is speaking. And he said, Rehoboam was tender when he became the king. He wasn't talking about his youth because Rehoboam was 40 years old when he became the king. He was talking about his understanding, and his ability, his character. Rehoboam didn't have much. And the reason he did was because he didn't listen to these sayings. And so we, we look through this, these, as we're going to go through these references that deal with the faithful, 
the, the faithful man always tells the truth. But the faithful man never uses the truth to hurt others. You see, that's what a talebearer does. You ever met a talebearer that didn't make themselves the hero or the good guy in their stories? I've learned in counseling people that before I make a decision, I better get both sides of the story. Uh, it's it's too easy to just listen to one side and understand because there's always that other side. And most people, even in this day and time, are still trying to, uh, trying to do good with their lives. This is what the Bible said in the book of Judges. Every man did that which was what? Right in his own eyes. And that's why the faithful man needs to be quiet because... Even some people, as they're trying and striving to do right, do something wrong, God is able to forgive. But once you've blabbed it all over the Internet, what in the world are they going to do? Like the one man said, he said, I've been exonerated of all charges, but where do I go to get my life back? And so the faithful man will wait until he has all the information. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 14. Well, actually, let's go to 13. That's the next one in order. 13 verse 17, the word faithful is used again. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief. But a faithful ambassador is health. Now, when we think of this messenger and ambassador, uh, we look at the book of Proverbs and we think of the king and we think of the messengers and ambassadors that go back and forth. But uh, I, I want us to put that into a little bit uh, 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 more lifelike context that that we would... Um, that, that, that we would actually could find ourselves in. You know, most of us uh, work for someone or a company, do we not? And one of the jobs you have in working for a company is to make your company look good. Unless it's Budweiser. Then you need to quit and go find a company that you can make look good. Amen? Or one of those other companies like that. Uh, if you work at a place, you ought to make the place look good. You ought to be an ambassador for your employer. Amen? Are you listening? Oh, Andrew's downstairs helping in children's church, but uh, no. I, I'm an ambassador of our church. I have to be careful. Especially when I'm driving the van around with the church name on it. And uh, uh, that takes some work sometimes. Amen? Uh, But the person who is faithful in their service always heals the situation. Men, you're the ambassador of your home. 
You're, you're the person that tells the world what's going on in your home. You, you need to be faithful in that. The wife serves much of the same purpose. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, there are people, it ties in very much with the first one, the tail-bearer and the wicked messenger are the same person. They always have something to say that's hurtful. You know, the world has a little proverb, if it's not good, don't say it. Well, there are some times when we need to testify to the evil and to uh, expose what is wrong in our society. But there are so many things that would just be better left unsaid. And here's what it takes. It takes a faithful man to use the truth to heal. That's what Solomon's saying here. If you're just trying to make trouble, guess what? You're the wicked messenger. And and you're going to get it. How many of you have heard this, the thing? If you if you want to find trouble in New York City, you can find it. If you're looking for trouble, you can find it in this city. You know what? If you're not looking for it, you can just simply be faithful to the Lord and serve Him. And you will bring health to the situation. The faithful man always uses the truth to heal. Now, how many of you have ever been hurt by a doctor? Huh? I mean, sometimes they can inflict great pain. In fact, they they inflict such great pain that they have to knock you out so that they can inflict the pain and the pain won't kill you. It's called surgery. And if you've ever woken up from surgery... The first thing is the nausea and all that. And then the next thing after that is, what in the world did that doctor do to my foot? It feels like it's this big. And they they put it in a bucket of of, uh, coals and it's just burning and on fire. They had to operate to remove an object. Uh, I'll tell you what, in two or three days, the pain is gone and and, and the healing begins. The faithful man heals. The wicked always brings more wickedness. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 5. It says, A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. And see, all three of these first Proverbs deal with our handling of the truth. Have you ever met the person? Well, I'm... What am I saying? I have all kinds of... I cannot tell a lie. I, I must tell the truth and then proceed to lie through their teeth. Oh, my. I just can't, can't get over that. But that's what people do. But how many of us have ever told a lie trying to help someone? You, know, you can't help somebody by telling a lie. And, of course, the famous one is, when your wife asks, does she look fat? You better lie. No, no, no. 
you tell her you love her no matter what. Amen? That's not the question. The question we have to understand. If you're going to be faithful, you must deal in truth. You have to pay psychiatrists hundreds of dollars an hour and psychologists to lie to you and to convince you that their lies are true. So you can feel better about yourself. Or you can come to Jesus and be totally honest about everything that's wrong with you and get his forgiveness and go on to serve him with your life. Which is the better way to deal with the problems? There is no excuse for depression in the life of a Christian. Discouragement. I love Brother Nielsen's definition of the word discouragement. It's forgetting who God is. It's a great definition. And it's what we call a working definition. It's how it works. But the Bible says, The faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. How we handle the truth. The word faithful. Listen, we must be dealers in truth. Do you know that was Pilate's problem? How many remember what Pilate said? Jesus said, I've come to bear witness of the truth. Pilate said, what is truth? Pilate was the consummate politician. He didn't want to be there in the land of Israel. He had uh, fallen out of favor with the powers that be in Rome and had been actually somewhat banished there to take this terrible place. And, of course, God had moved the man that he wanted to be there into the place he wanted him to be. But I am sure that Pilate had heard from these scribes and Pharisees all the time that he was in, that we hold the truth, the Bible, our scriptures are the truth. And they were exactly correct. The scriptures are the truth. But then he watched all the machinations and the lies and the deceit and and the manipulation. Even in the trial of Jesus, he saw right through it. He understood. And what do you do in a world where everybody says they're telling the truth and everyone's lying? Sounds like this presidential campaign, doesn't it? Well, here's what you do. You seek for truth. And you vote for the greatest amount of truth that you can find. Someone says, I'm just not even going to vote. Well, let me just put it to you this way. If you choose not to vote, statistics, mathematics prove that you are actually casting a vote in favor of the candidate you like the least. So you need, if you're a citizen, you're registered, you need to vote. And if you want to know, people get so... Enamored with personalities. Here, let me help you get rid of the personalities. Very simple. Go to the DNC website, that's Democratic National Committee, and the RNC website. Two different websites. 
and just look through the links, and there's a party platform. It's there. It's prominent on the first page. And read the party platform. Read what the Democrats promised to do, because Hillary is a personality, but she's just the, the head of the organization, really. And the people that are behind her and are making things happen, this is their agenda, what they're trying to do as the DNC. Read the planks of their, their platform and then go to the RNC and do the same. And neither one of them are going to be Bible, let me tell you that, right from the beginning. But find out which one's closer to the Bible and then you have to vote according to the truth. And just, if you'll do that, you'll find out that you just don't have much of a choice. That, that you do need to vote. And, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll just leave it right there. But how you deal with the truth. Are you all the time using the truth? Laying little bits of it around so that other people can step into it and get hurt? That's not faithfulness. Are, are you dealing in truth that heals? That's the kind of ambassador that God wants you to be. And you see, if you stay in truth, so I'll have to, to look it up. There's an interesting story about a man, Jewish man actually, who lived in America, a resident of the state of Virginia during the uh, Civil War. And uh, this man, the only one I know of that, that publicly took this stand and actually was in civil service and in the, in, in the military, an officer, uh, in the army before the Civil War and continued in civil service after the Civil War. You know how he did that? He said, I cannot fight for the cause of slavery because the Bible teaches me that it's wrong. He's a Jewish man. He understood that. And he said, I cannot fight against my state because I have allegiance and promises to my state. And so he did not fight. Oh, when the war got started, he was called a coward and everything you could just imagine by all of his friends on the south. And the north called him a traitor because he wouldn't put, keep his uniform on and serve in the military against the south. And at the end of the war, he gave the testimony of all the people that came back to him and said, I wish I'd have done what you did. And... Uh, even though we have no evidence that he was a saved man, he was still paying as much attention as he possibly could to the words of this book. And it benefited him and his family in a very great way. And we need to be careful with what we do with truth because truth and faithfulness go together. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 And we're halfway through here. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. 
Now, there's a whole life of living. We could make the whole sermon right here on this verse, but we're going to try to get in all the references that deal with faithfulness. You know what? A faithful man, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, uh, a faithful man does not need to tell people that he is faithful. A, a person who is a good um, Fill in the blank. A person who is a great mechanic. Does he need to put a sign on his business saying, best mechanic in town? No, everybody knows. Uh, A man told me once, uh, as we were moving to New York City, he said, well, here's how the pay scale in New York City works. He said, if you can show up and spell your name... He said, you can get work in New York City. He says, because you don't know how many people won't even show up. Uh, He said, uh, but he said, if you're so-so and and you're willing to work hard and do a good job, he said, you'll get to work. He said, but what New York City is all about is excellence. He said, if you are truly excellent in what you do, he said, you name your own price. And you'll always have people standing in line to have you work. And so I looked at my abilities and I said, I can't do any of that stuff, so I'll go to the churches and support my family and start a church at the same time. And so I kept doing one thing, and that was starting a church. And the Lord's blessed that effort. But that's not because of how smart or how anything. It's because of the faithfulness of God's people is why our church exists today and other churches. But you see, the point being brought out here is the faithful man doesn't need to tell others about how faithful he is because his life is his testimony. Years ago, uh, they... People got tired of this, they call confrontational evangelism. And you know what confrontational evangelism is? According to their definition, is handing somebody a gospel tract. Now, I knew some people that did confrontational evangelism. They get out on the street corner and somebody passed by and just about the time they got close enough to split their ear in half with screaming, they go, You're going to hell! And that's not confrontational evangelism. That's just plain stupid. Not much you can do to fix that. But how many of you remember the first time you were confronted with the truth of this book? Somebody gave you a gospel track. And they said, we don't need that. We need lifestyle evangelism. Can I challenge you that you can't tell anybody about Jesus and have them listen until you're living the way what you're preaching. Amen? And that's what this verse talks about. You see, I've met a lot of preachers over the years, and there's been a lot of changes, even in our independent Baptist group. And I've mentioned this many times. The Bible college that I attended, they now do everything that they taught and preached against. When I was there, we spent a whole week. Uh, They had special preachers come in and explain the 
the foundation and the history of what is called rock and roll music and how that it was totally steeped in the world and in evil and that you cannot bring that type of music into the church because there was a new type of music emerging. This was over 30 years ago. And uh, the contemporary Christian movement has grown out of that process of taking the world's music and trying to put Jesus' words to it. And they spent a whole week preaching against that. Now the promotional videos for the college all have a soundtrack of heavy metal music. Christian music. Uh, They don't have a chapel service without the rock band warming the crowd up. These are Bible college students preparing to serve Christ. They need to be warmed up by a rock band so they can listen to the speak of speak. Uh, old-fashioned preaching is almost gone. It's a relic of the past. If it's there, it's because they want to talk about the way things used to be. And here was the thing. Back in the 80s, a lot of guys started sitting down and they started evaluating themselves. They started thinking, we need to develop a, the, the key term they call is a philosophy of ministry. We, we need to sit down and think about the why of what we do. See, every man will proclaim his own goodness. Every man is going to talk about what they do. But the Bible has not called us to evaluate the why of what we do because the why of what we do is supposed to be the Holy Spirit of God. End of conversation. Period. It's supposed to be the work of the Holy Spirit of God in us. If you are being faithful to the things that are in this book, you will find out that you just don't have a lot of time for other things. You don't have time to sit down and evaluate your life because you're too busy living it to evaluate it. That's what God does at the judgment seat of Christ. Amen? Uh, I've watched people expand their minds. Uh, When I was a kid, our... our our, our, uh, one of our phrases was, that'll blow your mind, meaning that it's bigger than you can think about. I've watched preachers and churches and Bible colleges blow their minds because they try to evaluate the where and why for of what they do, and they always come up on the wrong side of the truth. Don't get caught in that stuff. There is a guy named Bill Gothard years ago, and he called it the Institute of Basic Life Conflicts, or Youth Conflicts. And he developed this book and curriculum and traveled all over the country, all over the world, teaching people how to think biblically, and one of his catchphrases was biblical principle. Well, let me tell you what's wrong with biblical principle. You do not need to boil this Bible down to principles. You need to obey it as it is written. That's the difference between faithfulness and unfaithfulness. Because when you boil the Bible down to biblical principles, now people are looking at you instead of the Word of God. This book was written in such a simple way 
that not a one of us have any problem understanding its message, if we want to understand its message. Can we say amen to that? And the faithful man is simply going to do what the Bible says. That's what the first three verses were about. Amen? Just simply doing what the Bible says. And then the last uh, three inferences here uh, deal with the blessings that come upon those. Look at Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 13 as cold as the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refresheth the soul of his masters. Now here we're going back to this idea of being a messenger. How many of you have actually been outside? I mean, uh, this summer we were outside in the heat. Uh, working up on top of that scaffold, and there's no shade up there. I mean, the sun is just beating down on you, working on the roof and the different uh, uh, structures up there. And I'll tell you what, this verse came to my mind on several occasions as they would pass up the ice-cold Gatorades, and you'd sit there and just go, Oh, I wish I could take a bath in this stuff. Sometimes you'd just take the water bottles and pour them on you instead of in you. Uh, because it was just so hot. Now, imagine living without refrigeration. Wouldn't the cold of snow be so refreshing in the heat of the harvest? It says that that's what the faithful man does to those that send him. How many of you would like to see a better country called the United States of America? Well, if you want to be a better, if you want this to be a better country, you need to be a more faithful person. You know, that, if you want to go back to World War I, That was the testimony of the German soldiers who were fighting for the Kaiser when they dealt with the American Marines in Bella Wood. One of the small battles in the forest there that literally turned the tide and discouraged the Kaiser to the point to where he eventually surrendered. It was not a a total victory in World War I. It was just simply an armistice. It was an agreement of peace that signed. and, And that's why World War II happened is because the the other allied leaders of France and and England and thought they were going to punish Germany for all the wrong that they had done. They thought they had a total victory and they didn't. And they paid for it and we paid for it and everyone did in such a terrible, terrible way in World War II. But there were some Americans there that were just simply faithful the job they did without regard to themselves and their own lives. And it scared the living daylights out of the Germans. One of those men's story of Sergeant Alvin York, you ought to, you ought to read that story. The greatest hero of World War I was an American corporal promoted to sergeant. We know him affectionately as Sergeant York. He was a man of faith. After he came home, 
he actually was an itinerant preacher in those little churches way up in the mountains. But when he came out of the mountains, he was in Baptist churches because that's what his doctrine was. He was one of the hangover, leftovers from the Anabaptist movement of the Middle Ages in the early 1900s. And, and, uh, and it was an amazing, amazing story of faith. But you want to be a refreshment. You want to be a healer. You just be faithful. How many of you at the place where you work is riddled with unfaithful workers? If, if you work for a secular company, it's everywhere. How about you be faithful? You'll find out that you'll be different. Look at Proverbs twenty-eight twenty. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Now, certainly that would solve a lot of problems, wouldn't it? Listen, the faithful man is being faithful to God's Word. He doesn't have time to evaluate things, but the greatest part of being faithful is being satisfied with what God gives you. That is the greatest blessing. I had a music teacher tried to illustrate this to us years ago. And, uh, and he had this little saying he would always use. He said, he whose pleasures are cheapest is richest. And, and that's a proverb, and it's, it's very true. And then he would explain how that one of the greatest pleasures that he had was to be the first one to put the knife in the peanut butter jar. And, I mean, he could go on ten minutes talking about peeling the label back and seeing the unmarked smooth surface. I, I remember that. I mean, it was, it was hilarious. It was only in high school when he told, told that story. But it perfectly illustrates, and this is what he was trying to illustrate. He was a saved man, serving the Lord at the best that he could. And he said, you need to learn to be satisfied with what God gives you rather than what you think you can be. And that's the message of all of these Proverbs, is it not? The faithful man shall abound with blessings. You see, we so often ignore the greatest blessings that God has given us in search of some blessing that we think we're without. And our life is not happy, and those around us are affected, and everything is out of whack because we're simply not being faithful. The last time, the last one, Proverbs 29, verse 14. The king that faithfully judgeth the poor, his throne shall be established forever. Let's read that again. The king that faithfully judgeth the poor, his throne shall be established forever. Let me put this in a completely different context. and I, I never really saw this until... Uh, I was actually preparing this sermon. It just came to me. 
We had a mayor in New York City several years ago who said, I'm going to stop the current policy of dealing with the big crimes and trying to get rid of everybody, and we're going to start dealing with the little crimes. It's called the broken window policy. Does anybody remember that? The mayor was Giuliani. The commissioner was Bratton, I believe. The year before they implemented that policy, we had 2,200 murders in New York City. There was 30 or 40% reduction, but that began the process of bringing us down to where we are today. Last year, there were fewer murders in New York City than there were in the year of my birth, 1964. That's, the, that's how far back in history they had to go to match it. Now, that's a pretty good statistic, is it not? But you see, here's what they started doing. They started dealing with the least of these. And the rest of it kind of fell into place now, didn't it? How many crimes did they stop with the stop and the frisk? Because they took the guns away from the people before they had a chance to commit them. Don't listen to what the news media says. They had a 90% failure rate at stop and frisk. Nine out of ten times when they stopped someone, they didn't find anything. But let's turn that around. That's what the news media says. Let's turn that around. Here you have police officers standing in a subway station or on a corner watching thousands of people pass them on all of these corners all at the same time. And yet one out of every ten times they stop somebody produced an arrest. That is an incredibly amazing Uh, success rate because they are taking literally thousands of people on dozens, maybe even more than a hundred street corners all at the same time and one out of ten people that they picked to check had a weapon on them. That's an amazing statistic to me. I hope you see it the way I'm trying to present it this morning. And you know what it did? It stopped crime in this city. You know, every one of us have things in our lives that we deem unimportant or below our threshold of dignity that we need to deal with. The king was faithful with the poorest or the least of his subjects. The Bible said that throne would be established forever. Can I challenge you? Jesus put it this way. He that is faithful in the least is faithful also that. And he that is unfaithful in the least. Do you remember the passage? If you're faithful with the little things, God will find you faithful and give you great things. If you're unfaithful in the little things, God's not going to give you anything else to do. You see, we need to be very careful what we do with the truth. 
It's not something that we use to hurt one another. It's something we use to heal. We need to be careful how we deal with other people. We need to be that faithful messenger. We don't need to talk about how good we are. What we need to do is just simply be obedient to the Word of God where we are. And then we're going to find those blessings. Jesus also said this. He said, even he that giveth a cup of cold, give a cold drink to a disciple in my name, shall not lose his reward. You see, that's what Solomon's talking about here. Being the king, we, we think, oh, that verse doesn't apply to me because I'm not a king. Well, wait a minute. If it applies to the king, maybe it'll apply to you. How about, how about we start being faithful in those least little things in our life? You know, you cannot change the world in which we live. But you can change the way you live in the world. And if you deal with the things that you can change, it'll change other people's opinion of those same things. They had a man... Here in New York City, I believe the year was 1857, that said, our city is a wicked city and we just need to start praying at lunchtime instead of eating. Let's just start praying. It was called the afternoon or the noontime prayer revival. It started with one man and three or four people downtown Manhattan. I believe it was on Fulton Street. And before that movement just vanished into the annals of history. They had prayer meetings in hundreds of cities all across this country. They had churches, dozens of churches, that were established and built. Uh, Sixth Avenue Baptist Church was a result of that noontime prayer revival. Uh, Union Baptist Church, which at that time was First Baptist Church of Greenpoint, had its greatest growth in the years right during and right after that revival. In fact, their building was built in 1863, just six short years after that movement began, before it died out, actually. Let me tell you something. Here's our problem. Especially when we look at what's going on with the presidential election, what we look on going on in our city and in our society as a whole. We throw up our hands and say, what can we do? Well, let me tell you what we can do. We can listen to the admonition of Solomon to his son Rehoboam. Let's be careful what we do with the truth. We don't have to tell everything we know. Our faithfulness ought to bring others to the truth, not drive people away from it. Amen? Our faithfulness to the truth ought to be a healing thing. Most will proclaim everyone his own goodness. But the faithful man is too busy doing to talk about himself. Amen? And that's where the blessings are. And it's not faithfulness in just the great big huge things. It's in the littlest things. And when we're faithful in the little things, God somehow takes care of all the big things. really does. 
Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we ask that you would help us just simply to be faithful, to heed the words of Solomon here. And Lord, I just pray that we would take uh, the instruction that is here, and we would allow it to apply to us in the least things in our lives, that we would simply be faithful, that you may be honored and glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation 307. Let Jesus.